Hello and welcome to the NC podcast. My name is Natasha Collins and I am the founder of NC Real Estate, which includes its members club for property investors to come and build a profitable property portfolio that completely aligns with their goals. How are you doing this week? How was your bank holiday? Actually, this is coming out uh, a week after the bank holiday, but I'm recording uh, on the Wednesday, two days after bank holiday weekend. I am feeling pretty refreshed. I've been um, on annual leave from the university, although I was in yesterday just to do a little bit more marking for my master's students and get that finished because they submitted their assessments three weeks ago so I need to make sure that they go back out on time and oh my gosh big news guys I finished my teaching qualification I saw yesterday in my university inbox that the final little pieces that I needed to complete the final assessment had come in I was like right Collins sit here do your assessment get it done hand it in and just do not think about it anymore. So I'm so excited, so glad that that is over because it was just one thing that was weighing on my mind. I know I spoke about it in a a podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago and I was like, done is better than perfect. Hell yes, in this case, done, fine, hand it in. beautiful. Uh, I must admit, I've got to a point where I'm doing academic research. And as much as you're meant to be using textbooks from other academics and looking at their writing and journals that they've published, I'm going to be honest and say that now my source of referencing usually comes from people on Instagram who have got interesting topics or blog posts or um, other online things that I'm seeing and for a bit I'd kind of felt a little bit kind of like ah uh, am I meant to be doing this is this professional enough but I thought hey this is where the sources of information come from nowadays this is where I get my learning from and actually it's where my eyes are opened the widest to things that I need to take in when I'm addressing other people for uh, measures of inclusivity online because I teach for an online university so knowing how to network with people online is huge for me being able to include all of my students in what I'm doing and so when I was writing this final assignment and being reflective and how I teach as uh, an online lecturer I thought actually you know what everything that I've learned hasn't come from the degrees that I've done in the past it's come from the fact that I'm online all of the time for every single thing I do and all of the businesses that I run and so from there as I'm taking that that knowledge that people that I follow online have have told me from the conversations that go on underneath their Instagram posts from YouTube videos that I watch for people that and I'm referencing that now so I handed in an assignment which has a lot of YouTube and Instagram references in it because I think that's valid nowadays. So, hey, whatever mark I get, done is better than perfect. But for me, that's where I learn the most from. Um, I'm always on social media flicking through things. I've been trying over the last week not to get so heavily involved in discussions because I do actually have needed to remove myself and go, Natasha, just do a bit more work. And I find that I can be on social media comparing myself to other people thinking, wow, I'm not involved in this. I've been left out of this or I'm seeing other people do X, Y and Z. Oh, social media can also drag you down a rabbit hole. So 
I watch from afar most of the time and uh, people, my friends will know on Instagram, I do see their posts and I happily WhatsApp them and say, oh my gosh, cool post or um, I love your baby, it's looking so beautiful or just really nice comments that I've seen their Instagram stories and I'm really aware of it. I don't put anything normally in comment sections or in uh, reply to Instagram stories. So if you do think that if you know that I follow you, but I've never said anything, I'm really, I do take note. I just try not to get too involved in discussions because I need to be on and off, but I like seeing what people are doing. So that's a little bit of an aside, but I'm so glad that is over. Whew. And I'm going to touch wood, but I don't think there can be a chance that I failed considering I passed everything else. So even if this comes back as a fail, because I haven't gone too academic, um, I'm not failing it because of that. But I'm sure that's not happened. It's a full assignment. It's I've ticked all the boxes of everything they've asked for, jumped through all of the hoops, um, made sure that it's as good as it possibly can. So put that to bed. Done. Dusted. Fabulous. You can get back on with all of the other things that I am doing. Another thing that I wanted to talk to you about is uh, that... You know, a while back we sold our flat and I was like, yeah, we're now going to get investing and we're going to be buying, buying, buying. Can I tell you a little bit of a something that I've been feeling a bit of imposter syndrome about and a little bit guilty is the fact that I've not actually had time to go out and buy us another investment because I've been focusing really heavily on growing the members club. So Instead, what I've been doing is I've been loaning my money to other investments. So I've kind of indirectly been investing in property, um, but I haven't actually bought anything for us just yet because, quite frankly, life seems to be getting in the way. So instead, when, whenever a member comes to me and they say, hey, Natasha, I've got this cool project, I think, oh, I might get involved in, in this. And then I lend a little bit of money on that. I've been looking at some of my other colleagues' developments and getting involved with those and doing the deal analysis and lending a little bit of money there. Uh, so rather than actually right now be buying something myself. I'm just popping my money in investments and I'll take that back out at a later date and buy something. I've still got a good 50 grand set aside to buy something for us. I just haven't had a in-depth look at that. So in the meantime, I'm lending my money at 9% per annum, which is See, it's quite good. It's a little bit of a discount um, for people whose deals I'm like, hell yes. Um, some of it's more, some of it is at 18% per annum. It really varies. And I just put uh, five to 10,000 pounds in each deal. And then that's for, it could be from a six month period. It could be for a 12 month period. It could be for anywhere in between. And then I collect interest on that on a monthly basis. So it's a little bit of a return. It's a nice way of doing it so far. The other thing that I've, I've had a lot going on is one of my flats, the head leaseholder is about to go through an externals project. You have no idea how much of my time that's taking up because the emails that come through on a daily basis from the other leaseholders asking me to confirm things, honestly, uh, it's, it's got kind of to the stage where I'm like, ah, okay. And then spawning, I found myself going through a service charge budget 
for the managing agents because they hadn't been able to put that together properly. Uh, reading the leases, making sure people were being charged the right thing. And you may say to me, Natasha, it's not your job. Uh, it's their job to get it right. Well, at the end of the day, I'd be paying the bill if they get it wrong or I'd be having to drag myself through leasehold tribunal. I really can't be bothered, really can't be bothered. I would rather just go, hey, guys, look, I know how to do this stuff. I've been trained in it for however long I teach it. Um, give me your service charge budget. Let me have a look through and let me give you my advice on how I would do it. Now, they get to choose whether they take it or leave it. But I know that I've done it properly because I've been doing service charge budgets and collecting service charges for the past 10 years. And do you know what also I understand completely is that um, I could do a service charge budget and then I'd go, oh, uh, actually, um, this might not have added up right. So I give it to a co colleague and I say to them, hey, you add it up right. So I completely get it that uh, this managing agent might not have got it right first time as well. So I'm happy to almost be that friendly peer reviewer of the service charge because I know what I'm doing. Um, the other thing is uh, just taking a step back from my own personal perspective is that I would quite like to buy the freehold of this building. The only way that I'm going to be able to buy the freehold of this building is if the head leaseholder buys the freehold first. And the freeholder is really reluctant to sell the head leaseholder um, their share of the freehold. Why? I can't quite get to the bottom of it considering the head leaseholder offered 40 grand above market value again I, I do not get involved in that that for me was a bit like eh, okay obviously you felt like you had no negotiation power and I can't it's, it's a bit of a conflict of interest for me to get involved in that but at the back of my mind I'm thinking if we do this service charge budget properly there is going to be quite high liability for the freeholder because the way this works bear with me, is that although the freeholder looks after the structure of the building and the roofs, it's actually the head leaseholder's responsibility to do the works and recharge it back to the freeholder. That's what the head lease says. I've been through the head lease and I can confirm that. So it's not a straightforward head lease. Um, and, and so what I'm trying to do is make sure that in the service charge budget, there's a high enough amount of works being billed to the freeholder. So the freeholder goes, oh, wow, I'm not paying this amount of money. And so then the head leaseholder can go to the freeholder and say, well, I tell you what, I'll pay for the service charge on your behalf. And then from that point of view, um, I'll also buy it off of you so you don't ever have to have that service charge liability again. So it's kind of in my favor for doing that because the head leaseholder has said that once they buy the freehold, they are going to be selling it onto the leaseholders. So it's worth my while getting involved. It takes a long, a, a long time to get these things worked out, but also it'd be nice having a new roof on, having new windows, having an externals project. We've been saving for this for the last however many years. So it's not really as if it's going to cost me a huge amount of money. It's not like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get a bill for 10 to 15 grand. I'm not. The maximum this bill is going to be is 2,000 pounds. But actually from the service charge budget I've now created, it's probably going to be somewhere around 1,000 pounds. So 
there we go. That is the complicated nature of that deal, but I'm doing it for a reason to give myself leverage so that I can buy the freehold and that will add a lot of value to that flat. Um, I've also got it in mind that then when I pass it on to my kids, if I have kids in a few years time, they don't ever have to worry about uh, extending the lease or what have you. So really I'm future proofing it and I've spent a lot of time doing that and it just so happened that this all came up at, at the same time. The other thing that's um, really exciting is I've got a lot of members who are buying properties at the moment. I've got a portfolio in Coventry going through, a portfolio in Newport going through, a couple of properties in Stoke going through. And these are all commercial and residential. We've got some property, one member's doing uh, deals in Sheffield. Another member is doing some deals in Milton Keynes. And I'm overseeing all of that as part of the members club. And I get so excited by this because they email me and they're like, hey, Natasha, I'm, this is almost working. Or if it's not quite working, we tweak it a little bit and get them moving forward. I love that. I love that role of my job. And and so I've been spending a lot of time on that as well, making sure they get the right funding. And of course, if there is deals that I want to invest in, I offer to invest in it. So it's kind of the best of all possible worlds, but I've got a lot of plates spinning right now. And as I said at the start, I was feeling a bit guilty about that because I'd kind of thought, come on, Natasha, kick on, like keep building your property portfolio. Um, and I, it, I've personally not come up or in the limited time that I've had to search for things, found anything that makes me go, oh, this is worth me pursuing. So instead, um, I'm working with, uh, with my clients and my members and helping them to invest, investing um, in them if I feel it's appropriate or they need the money. Some of them don't need the money. Um, and that's what I'm doing right now. So lots going on. Uh, apologies for bombarding you with a freeholder, head leaseholder spiel. I'm always involved in these things. I quite like it because it's meaty. And I also have the strategic brain for it. That's my kind of property deals that I like. Uh, and other people say I'm never getting involved in leasehold at all. Hell no. Um, and that's fine. That's completely up to you. I personally like it. I do like the intricacies of it. I'm excited to see what the government do at, later on this year uh, based upon the national leasehold scandal. People uh, are really fighting for leaseholds to be taken away. So we'll see we'll see what happens with that but for now that is the meaty project that i'm involved in here's something else i'm working on and i really really wanted to share this with you because i am so excited about it over the last few weeks i have been putting together the property investment success cycle sounds like a lot of words but my gosh it is from my experience, the exact steps that each property investor needs to go through in order to keep growing their portfolio. And I'm about to merge this in with the members club because the whole idea is that each of these six stages, once you've mastered them all, you'll be able to keep buying your property portfolio and growing it. And I wanted to share it with you here so you can start to see the steps that you need to go through as well to grow that property portfolio. So step one of the property investment success cycle is your goals. That is the very 
very first place that you need to start. No matter what your experience is with property investment, you must start here. It's important to understand your goals and pinpoint exactly what you're looking to achieve financially and how you want your lifestyle to look. Because once you have got that down, you can then start creating your strategy. So that leads you on to step two, strategies to success. This is where you use your goals and you start creating those stepping stones between where you are today and where you want to get to when you hit your goals. And to do that, you just break your goals down into really actionable steps. So it's not being overwhelmed with the amount of money you might need to do this. It's not being overwhelmed with the fact that you might not have the resources. No, it's making it so that it's completely actionable for you. Then. Number three, you move on to the money and finance part of it, which most people always talk to me about. Natasha, hey, I don't have the money to do this right now or this, that and the other. That's cool. That's fine. All you need to do is take your strategy and go, okay, I need X amount of money. Say you need £20,000 or £30,000. You can then start going through where you're going to get this from. Are you going to get it from equity you've already got? Maybe you've got savings. Maybe you're going to be using investors or joint venture partners or other forms of sourcing for money. I've just had one of my members uh, buy a portfolio off of her parents and her parents have left some of the money in it as a gift to her so that she can afford to get the uh, mortgage on it and then within five years, she's got a repayment plan in place so it's completely paid off. There are so many different ways of doing this. It's about being creative and looking at what you can, you've got and what you can get a hold of. Then moving on to step four. It's all about finding the perfect property, the property that suits your goals and your strategy. And that could be HMOs, that could be buy-to-lets, that could be serviced accommodation, that could be commercial. It could be a mixture of all of them. It's about getting down exactly what you've got in your goals and your strategy, knowing you know how to get the money for it. And then from there, going out and finding that property. And that includes the location, the size, making sure it's getting the net income that you want and making sure it's in the right location that you want because that's also super, super important. Then number five, management and letting. So this is about holding the property. This is what you're going to do with it. And including, included within your management is also going to be things like renovations redevelopment. It's basically that period of time when you own the property. So you need to be looking at exactly how you are going to manage it and maintain it. So you are making the most amount of income from your property portfolio. And that can be done really simply. It's not something where you have to be in your property investment portfolio all the time, seven days a week, 24 seven. It's about you picking and choosing what works for you based upon those goals you set in your lifestyle. So you might be building a team. Maybe you are doing some of it yourself. Maybe, I don't know, you have a core handling service or you have a virtual assistant or someone to help you. But it's about developing a management and letting and even a selling strategy that works for you and falls in line with the goals of your property portfolio. And then finally, you move on to step six, and that's growth and legacy building. And this is where you look at the assets that you've got and you do a review. You go, hmm, okay, how does this work at the moment? 
does this meet my goals? Is there a place where I can maximize on this investment more? Increase the rent, maybe increase the capital value. Maybe the, the value of the property has gone up. So actually you could remortgage and you can use that equity. It's about looking at what you've got and seeing how you can maximize it. And that's really, really important. Actually, I'm doing this with my mom at the moment. She's got a bungalow on a plot of land which could get about three houses in. And so I'm looking at it with her. Of how do we get planning permission on that? Would it be feasible for her to do this or should she sell it on with planning permission? Again, it's something that we're in the initial stages of discussion on, but there is always room to improve what you've got. And that is what the growth and legacy building is all about. And then you just go around the cycle again and again and again. And every time that property portfolio gets bigger and bigger and bigger, or doesn't necessarily have to get bigger and bigger and bigger, maybe you just consolidate, consolidate, consolidate until you've got an unencumbered portfolio that is bringing you in a really nice income that you can live on. And so th that is the property investment success cycle. And then for each one of those stages, I break that down into different packages which take no more than 60 minutes to do. So very, very, very simple. And I ask you a question. For example, do you know where you're getting your next deposit from? If the answer is no, then there's a package for you. You can then clearly map out where you're getting the money for your next property, which means that actually you can keep moving forward and you can keep taking action. And so there's this uh, questionnaire that you can keep going through whenever you're stuck so you don't have to be overwhelmed by the material that I provide you in the members club. You can simply go, oh, today I'm stuck on this question. I'm going to do this package. And as I said, 60 minutes and it goes, you can, you can absorb it all and you can put it into practice. So I am super excited about that. And just to confirm those six steps of the success cycle again. So number one, figure out your goals. Number two, you then need to put your strategy in place. Number three, you need to make sure you understand where you're getting your money and your finance from. Number four, then it's all about finding the perfect property time after time, no matter what sort of property you want to be investing in. Number five, it's all about management and letting. How are you holding the property for the period that you own it? And then finally, number six, what's your growth strategy? What legacy are you leaving? How do you continue to build on what you've got to make sure that it is hitting your goals? So those are the stages that you need to work through as you are building your property portfolio. And I'd love to hear from you. Out of those six stages, which, which stage do you think you are at? Give me a number between one and six. Let me know where you are. And you can do that in the comments section um, in this podcast, whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Or if you're reading this via the blog, you can simply put a comment underneath. I would love to hear from you. So that's everything that I've got going on right now. And I hope this is useful and it's given you food for thought. There's always... There's always different things to think about. And especially when you're doing your property investment journey, it's nice to break it down into stages because if you think about getting from your goals to where you want to be all at once, it's like, oh my gosh, this is never going to happen for me. It's going to take so long. The minute you start 
breaking that down into steps and then actionable items. So action steps that you can do really, really easily. That is when you start seeing progress. And that is when you start creating your own success. And if you want to dive into that deeper, I'm going to let you into a little bit of a secret. This month, this June, I am going to be opening the members club again on a new improved platform. I cannot wait to share it. It looks so good right now. I'm so excited. This is this is the thing that keeps me up at night working. I love it. My gosh, I cannot get enough of putting this together. And it's so, so accessible. So no matter where you are on your property investment journey, whether you've got zero properties, you're going to be buying that first one or whether you've got 100 properties, it really doesn't matter. There is something in there for you. So I am going to put the link below for the waiting list so that you can get on that first. And as soon as the door opens, you can come and jump straight in. There we have it. That's today's podcast. Thank you for joining me today. And if you want to find out any more information, head on over to www.ncrealestate.co.uk. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you get it every Tuesday morning. And I would love it if you could give it a five-star review. I want to hear what you love about this podcast. That would be awesome. Thank you for joining me today. I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon.